0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, Did I mention this morning, did I mention the title of the message from uh, Luke 15? Anybody remember? We talked about a loving father. And aren't you glad that we have a loving heavenly father? Praise God for that. And all through that account in Luke 15, uh, we see that father and his faithfulness and his forgiveness and his favor upon his son. And I'm glad that God's been good to me. God's been good to us as our father. But I see in 1 Samuel, I see these first four chapters I see a willing son, uh, Samuel, who, by the way, he was amazing how that he was sold out and willing to answer the call. And uh, he was willing to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I see in 1 Samuel, I see a faithful mother, a mother by the name of Hannah, who prayed for a son, and God blessed her, and God gave her a son. And uh, of course, then she took her son and she brought him to the temple. And she dedicated her son to the work of God. Can I tell you, I hope that's our desire as parents, that we would give our children back to God, that God would take our children, that God would use our children. Uh, They don't belong to us. They have been, as Hannah said, this son has been lent from the Lord. This son belongs to God, and God has lent him to me for me uh, to train him, but now I'm giving him back to whom uh, he belongs But we also see in 1 Samuel, we see a father by the name of Eli. Now, Eli was the priest. Eli was the spiritual leader. Eli was the man who had upon his shoulders, really the spiritual well-being of the nation of Israel was dependent upon him. Now, I know it's dependent upon God, but this was the spiritual figure that God had placed in Israel as the priest. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, when we really first start seeing uh, about Eli, it says in verse 3 that this man, uh, Elkanah, he went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, we find out that Eli was a father. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were the priests of the Lord, and they were there in the temple. But then we get down to verse number nine and we see that Hannah has prayed for a son. I think it's interesting in verse eight. Elkanah asks Hannah, he says, am not I better than 10 sons? She doesn't answer that question. Uh, Wives, do you ever do that? Do you ever just not answer a question? Do you ever just think that the answer might hurt our feelings? But Hannah didn't answer that question, but she wanted a son. And it says in verse 9, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. And now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Do you you kind of see the, the story? You kind of get the idea here that here is a woman who is serious about praying and getting a hold of God. Here is a woman who is is consumed with her prayer. She is sold out. She is surrendered. She just needs something from God. And it came to pass, verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Was this woman drunk? Oh, no. Was this woman making a mockery out of prayer? Oh, no. As a matter of fact, the most spiritual thing going on in the temple at this time was Hannah's prayer. But Eli sees her mouth, and Eli asks her this question in verse 14. How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. There's a serious case of jumping to conclusions. I I read somewhere, someone said that most Baptist churches, if jumping to conclusions were an Olympic sport, most Baptist churches would have some pretty good entries and some pretty good participants. But Hannah answered, verse 15, and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts as we look at this Bible character, Eli, And Lord, I believe that you've got some things for us to learn. I think there's some some things we need to see and we need to identify in our own lives. And Lord, this evening I'm talking about a father. But in reality, we could apply this man and we could apply this situation to every person in this room. And I pray that we would learn from the poor example and the bad example of Eli. And I pray that we would examine our own hearts. And I pray we'd be who you'd have us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we saw in Luke 15 a loving father. Tonight for a few moments I'd like for us to look in 1 Samuel at a lacking father. A father who lacked in some areas that I think should have been pretty obvious. I think these are areas that Eli of all people should have known better. Can I say tonight I think these are areas that we need to be reminded of because we should know better. We all have here in our church and Brother Sock. I don't know what it's like in uh, Cambodia, but here we all have a Bible. (laughs) We all have many copies of a Bible, if we're honest. So the truth is, we don't have an excuse for why we don't do what God has told us to do, except maybe we don't read the Bible like we should. Maybe we don't study it like we should. Or maybe we just don't take it that seriously. But I want to give us some thoughts tonight on this father in the Bible, Eli. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And here was a father who was lacking. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot down that Eli was lacking in the area of discernment. Now, now get this picture. Eli is the priest. And here is a lady that comes to the temple and she's pouring out her heart before God. We read the verses. You saw the verses. She pours out her heart before God. She is praying. She is fervent. She is so serious about her prayer and Eli is standing over here thinking, what's her problem? Who does she think she is? How could you be so uh, how could you be so foolish as to come into the temple drunk? How could you act this way? And Eli wasn't within a million miles of reality. This woman hadn't been drinking. This woman wasn't doing anything she shouldn't have been doing. This woman was doing what she should have been doing. This woman was praying to God. Eli lacked in the area of discernment. Is it possible that Eli had not been fervent in his own prayer life and therefore he couldn't even tell when somebody else was trying to be serious about their prayer life? Was it that he could not recognize someone that was brokenhearted and desperate for an answer from God? And I tell you, in the Christian life, we need discernment. We need discernment in our relationships. We need discernment, fathers. We need discernment to be the father that we need to be. Mothers, you need the discernment to be the mother you need to be. We need discernment to be the husband, the wife, to be the Christian, to be the coworker, to be the servant of God that we need to be. We live in a society that lacks discernment. I want to tell you, common sense is no longer common. And if we're going to get discernment, it's going to have to come from the Bible. It's going to come from reading God's word. We're going to need God to give us some wisdom because you will be faced with some situations this week that you don't have the answer for. And the answer is not going to be obvious. The answer is not going to be easy. And you're going to need God. You're going to need the Holy Spirit of God to lead you and to guide you into truth to say the right thing. Sometimes our discernment, is evident because we open our mouth before we think. Sometimes we say things that are not spiritual. Sometimes we say things that are not operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, but rather operating under the flesh. We see that Eli lacked in the area of discernment. It says in 1 Samuel 2, verse number 12, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, they knew not the Lord. It says in verse number uh, 17, wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Here's what I see. Eli is looking at Hannah, and he's trying to point out something in Hannah's life that's not even accurate when he's got his own backyard that's a mess. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten so focused on somebody else's sin and so focused on what you perceive to be somebody else's problem that you fail to see that you've got sin in your own life that is a whole lot worse and a whole lot bigger problem than the sin in somebody else? Eli lacked in discernment. Friends, I want to tell you tonight, church members tonight, Christians tonight, I want to tell you, we need some folks with discernment. The Bible says that we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The Bible says we need to have a word that is spoken in due season. We've got to be so careful that we look for opportunities that we can uh, share the gospel and look for opportunities that we can be a help and look for opportunities we can be an encouragement and not mess it up. Boy, I've done that before. Have you ever said something and as you're saying it, you realize what you're saying and it's too late, you can't get it back in? You know, it'd be a good idea this week before you push send on a text message. Be a good idea to read it and pray over it for more than half a second and ask the Lord, is this something that I should send? Is this something that I should post? Is this something that I should say? Eli lacked in the area of discernment. Number two, quickly, I want you to see that Eli lacked in the area of discipline. It says in verse number 22, now Eli was very old and he heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. Now, now time out. I understand we're talking about a father here and I would say that as, as parents, I believe that we are responsible for what our children do while they are in our home. I I think that would be safe to say that. But I think we all understand that there's going to come a time that children When they leave the home, they're going to have to make decisions for themselves. And you can't follow them around and you can't uh, micromanage what they're doing. The truth is it reaches a point where you kind of have to let go. Uh, You you just have to say, I've done my best and you need to pray and trust God. And I, I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, like Job, you pray for your children, even when they're grown, even when they're adults, you pray every day for them. So I'm not saying that Eli was responsible for the actions of his sons when he was an old man as a father, but he was responsible for the actions of his sons because he was still the priest. He was the one that was overseeing the worship of the temple and the service in the temple, and he had his two sons who were in the temple. It'd be like this. And they're not my sons, they're my friends, but I'm responsible for our assistant pastors, Brother Nathan and Brother Dan. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? Did I just say that? I'm responsible for those guys? Whew, man, that's a lot of responsibility. And so you would say if these guys, if they were doing stuff that was not pleasing God and if they were doing stuff that was not right, then you would say, well, pastor, if you as the pastor, you as the senior pastor, if you were allowing these things to take place, then that's on you. And I would agree with that. I would say, yes, I would be responsible. And Eli was responsible. He was responsible for his sons while they were young and as they were his children, but then they grew up and he still did not take responsibility for his sons. It says in verse 22 that he was very old and he heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, why do ye such things? For I hear... Of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. What a sad statement. These were men that were supposed to be serving and, and helping people and bringing people closer to God, but they were making a mockery of the service of God and of the sacrifices. They were literally, uh, they were intimidating the people as they came to offer sacrifices. I didn't read those verses, but it's in there, verses 14 and 15 and 16 in chapter uh, two. These men were out of control. Notice chapter three and verse 13. You say, well, where do you get the idea that there was no discipline? Well, it says in chapter three, verse 13, for I have told him, God said that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. God said, Eli, you knew what was going on. You are responsible. You should have stopped it. You should have done something because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. What's a restraint? I think about in, in a, an automobile, you have a restraint, right, to protect you in case of an accident. You got a seatbelt. And if you don't wear that seatbelt and you get in a, a crash, you're going to go flying. And so that, that seatbelt acts as a restraint. Well, God has given us the responsibility as parents to put some restraints in place. To protect from the tragedy and to protect from the destruction and to protect from the attacks of the devil. And Eli did not restrain. He did not have any discipline. He did not have the spiritual safeguards up for his children. As the priest, he was responsible for the practices in the temple. Can I say this evening that while we're talking about discipline for children and we're talking about discipline. For those coming after us, I think it'd be a good time for us to look in the mirror and say, how's our own discipline? How's our own walk with God? Say, oh, I'm going to tell my kids they need to pray every day. Well, good. Do you pray every day? I'm going to tell my children they need to read the Bible. Wonderful. Do you read the Bible? i tell you what, my children, they need to be in church. And I would say to that, amen, children do need to be in church. Teenagers do need to be in church. Adults do need to be in church. Senior citizens do need to be in church. But before we start telling everybody else they need to be in church, how about we look at our own church attendance? How about we say, what's more important in my life right now on a Sunday night than church? What's more important? What's on the schedule more important on a Wednesday night than coming to church? I want to tell you, friend, you say, well, a lot of churches, all they have is Sunday morning. I understand that. But I'm not looking to back off on church. I think we ought to be doing so much the more. I think we ought to have revival. I think we need missions conference. And I think we need these things. I think we need teen retreats. I think we need youth conferences. I think we need these things because we need the word of God. We need God in our lives more now than ever. And there was a lack, number one, of discernment in Eli's life. How about your life? Are you lacking discernment? Are you lacking spiritual wisdom? How about discipline? Is there a lack of discipline in your life? Is there a lack of discipline in my life? Sometimes we think that the longer we've been saved and uh, the the, the more we have grown, we've grown in the Christian life when all that means really is it's a lot more years. But we don't need just growth in years. We don't need just growth in quantity. We need some growth in quality. We need some people that will get a hold, with hold of God. We need some people that will uh, be a soul winner. We need some people that will be a, a man or a woman of the Bible. We need some people that will be faithful to teach and to train the next generation. Eli was lacking in his discipline. Number three, he was lacking in his devotion. The Bible says in chapter number two, uh, verse number 29, God spoke to Eli through a man of God in verse 27 and By the way, God will speak to you today through his word and God will speak to you through preaching and God will speak to you through the teaching and God will speak through the Holy Spirit. And God sent to Eli, the priest, he sent another preacher, a man of God. And that preacher said to Eli from God, verse 29, wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. Verse 29, and honorest Thy sons above me. Now that sounds obvious, right? It sounds like we should never honor anybody above God. Sometimes we do, don't we? We allow people to become more important in our lives than God Himself. We love our children. We ought to love our children. But we shouldn't love our children more than we love God. We love our spouse. I hope you love your spouse. I hope you love your wife. I hope you love your husband. But even that spouse should never become between you and God. That spouse should not have first place. God ought to have first place. I'll take it a step further. If God does not have first place, none of the other relationships in your life are going to be right. You can't love your spouse like you should if you don't love God first and foremost. You can't love your children like you should if you don't first love God because when God is in his proper place, everything else falls into proper order and priority. But it said of Eli that he honored his sons above God. And then in verse number 30, wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those are some serious words. God says, if you honor me, he said, I'm going to honor you. But he said, if you don't honor me, I'm not going to honor you. I'm not going to esteem you. I'm not going to put you in that place of honor. So here's the question tonight. How about you? How about me? Do we honor our children above God? Do we honor our spouse above God? Do we honor a a boyfriend or a girlfriend above God? Do we honor a, a job before God? Do we honor a hobby above God? Is there anything in your life, a person, place, or thing that you honor above God? If so, that's a problem. And for Eli, his problem was that he honored his sons more than he honored God. There was a lack of devotion. Quickly, number four, I see there was a lack of duty. Chapter four, in verses 17 and 18, here is the battle that takes place with the Philistines and they send out the Ark of the Covenant. And you know the story, the Ark of covenant, the Covenant was taken and Eli's two sons were killed in the battle. 30,000 soldiers from Israel were killed. It was, it was awful. It was, it was a bloodbath. It was a slaughter. And Israel was on the losing side in verses 17 and 18. It says the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. By the way, the prophet said a sign from God was that Hophni and Phinehas, both of his boys, would die the same day. And when Eli got that news, he knew what was going on. God was saying, I told you, I warned you, I tried to get your attention, I tried to stop it, but you would not listen. His two sons were dead and the ark of God was taken. And it came to pass when the messenger made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate. And his neck brake and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. And he had judged Israel 40 years. When he heard the news that the ark of God was taken, that was the place where uh, those tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, were kept, and that, that pot that contained the, the manna uh, from the wilderness, in that, and that uh, mercy seat. There was the, 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 the rod that butted that Aaron had had, and those things were in there, and that was the presence of God. That was the power of God. And when Eli heard that the ark was gone, he knew it was all over. You see, he had lacked, he had failed in his duty, he had a responsibility. He was responsible for his family. He was responsible for the nation of Israel. He was responsible for the temple. He was responsible for the worship. And now it's all gone. Now everything that he had disappeared, was taken from him. I want to remind you tonight that we all have a duty. We all have a responsibility. We will stand before God someday and we will answer to God for what has been entrusted in our care. And we can point the finger and we can blame the church and blame the school and blame the youth group. And we can blame society and we can blame the TV and we can blame Hollywood and we can blame the friends and we can blame the culture. And we can blame everybody we want. But at the end of the day, I want to say this. There is no excuse. For not fulfilling the responsibility that God has given us. Oh, by the way, while things were so bad and Eli's sons were, were living a wicked life. Did you know there was a little boy in the temple that stayed faithful through all of that? There was a little boy named Samuel that just kept on serving God and living for God. While everybody else said it couldn't be done. Samuel said, I don't know what everybody else is doing. But I must stay faithful to God. We see that Eli failed in his duty. And the result, number five, was destruction. We already read the verses where it says what happened. But in 1 Samuel chapter 4, and I need to wrap it up here so I won't read all these verses, but in 1 Samuel chapter 4, here's the thing that amazes me. Did you know that they didn't see it coming? Now, sometimes you would think that when things get this bad, We would wake up and we would say, whoa, we got problems. But they didn't. When the Philistines came, the Israelites said, hey, let's do this. Let's take the Ark of the Covenant and let's send that out in battle. That'll be our good luck charm. That, we can't lose when we got the Ark of the Covenant out there. Boy, when we got the Ark out there on the battlefield, we're just going to stand back and watch those Philistines fall down dead. They didn't get it. Notice with me in 1 Samuel chapter 4. I do want you to see this verse. The Bible says in verse 5, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. Now, I don't know how loud that is, but that's pretty loud. When you shout so loud that the whole earth is ringing. Maybe it's because that's all they could hear in their eardrums was ringing. They were so excited. This was the biggest pep rally they'd ever have. They thought they were going to win. And they had no idea that they were just a few moments away from utter destruction. The Bible tells us that the Ark of the Covenant was taken. The Philistines took it and possessed it. 30,000 of the Israelite soldiers were killed. The two sons of Eli were killed. Eli died and his daughter-in-law died. 1 Samuel chapter 4 says in verse 20, And about the time of her death, the women that stood by said unto her, Fear not, for thou was born a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. She named the child Ichabod. I don't know if that name was given before birth or if those were the last words she said before she died there and giving birth to this child. But she named the child and she said, There's only one name for this baby. There's only one fitting. There's only one appropriate name, and that is Ichabod. Because, she said, the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband, the destruction. Eli and his family lost the blessing. Eli and his family had so much going for them; They threw it all away. But I got some good news for you. You say, Pastor, I wish you hadn't waited 30 minutes to give us the good news. Well, here's the good news. Did you know that God was not done with his people? You say, oh, the nation of Israel, they were all done. Oh, no, no, they weren't done. Because although Eli and his family dropped the ball, God still had a plan, and God was still in control. And while Eli and his family missed the blessing, God raised up a deliverer. And in 1 Samuel chapter 7, I won't have you turn there now, but verse number 3, Samuel said, Hey, folks, I got good news. If you will return to God, God will deliver you. And the end of 1 Samuel chapter 7, guess what we find? The ark came back and the cities of Israel were restored and the the victories were won and God showed up and God blessed again because although Eli failed in his responsibility, there was a young man who said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. And I want to tell you tonight, that's what God's looking for. You say, but it's really bad in our country. and It's really bad in our nation and society. And what about this? And what about that? I understand. But I just believe that God's looking for somebody. God's looking for one. Maybe it's a father, mother. Maybe it's a teenager. Maybe it's a, a young lady, a young man. Maybe it's a senior saint. I don't know who it is tonight, but I just believe that God needs just one that would be willing to say yes. And if just one would say yes, God would take that one and God would do great and mighty things through that one. Our Father, I thank you for the time we've been able to be together tonight. I thank you for your word. I pray you'd speak to us the invitation. I thank you for this dear missionary, Brother Sok, who's with us tonight. I thank you for him as one man who is willing to say yes to serve you and to give his life there to reach those dear people in Cambodia. I pray you'd bless him. I pray that you'd bless our ministry. I pray you'd bless our Sunday school teachers tonight. I pray for our summer kids club workers. I pray for our bus workers. I pray for our nursery workers. I pray for our teen workers. I pray for our teens. I pray for our adults. I pray that you'd give us a summer of of winning souls and a summer of being sold out and surrendered. I pray you give us a summer where we would walk with you in in prayer and walk with you in studying your word. And I pray that we would be closer in our relationships with our family. I pray we'd be closer in our relationships with one another. I pray we'd have a heart to serve and a heart to please you. Lord, I pray that when we get to the end of this summer, I pray we'd hear well done from this summer. I pray when we get to the end of our life, I pray we'd hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I pray that we'd fight a good fight, finish our course, help us to keep the faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and I'd ask you to come and find a place to pray if God's spoken to you tonight. God's not done. You may say, well, well, what about Eli? Boy, he, he, he messed up, but he didn't have to. God gave him chance after chance after chance. God gave him opportunity. And friend, maybe tonight God's given you an opportunity to get some things right in your life. Maybe you've been putting it off. Maybe you've been trying to put it out of your mind, but the Holy Spirit's bringing it back tonight because there's something you need to do. There's something you need to get right. There's something you need to get serious about. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, I'd ask you not to put that off another night, but get that settled tonight. We'll have somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know that for sure. Whatever the need is, here's a father who was lacking in discernment. Would you pray this week that God would give you discernment? Here's a father that was lacking in discipline, not just in his sons, but I believe even in his own life. May God help us to be disciplined, to be serious about serving God. Here's a man who was lacking in his devotion. How's your devotion to God? How's your your Bible reading? How's your prayer life? How's your confession of sins? How's your, your praising? How's that going? Let's be devoted. Let's be consecrated to God. And then in our duty, we have a responsibility before God. May God help us to be faithful in those areas so that we do not experience the destruction, the judgment, but so that we can experience the deliverance, the victory that comes through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack.